0: Hello everyone! I am Paz Gomez, researcher for the Impunity Observer, and today I'll be your host in this new podcast episode about Honduran zones of economic development and employment status. For those unfamiliar with this concept, CETES are territories with semi-autonomous jurisdictions ruled by Honduran constitution and a charter. In late April, Congress repealed the law that created CETES. However, three setters are already operating in Honduras, including Prospera, that is the first Honduran set that has shown tremendous development so far. To learn more about these events, we have invited great experts on the topic that are part of the Prospera team. So, today we have the pleasure of having on the plate Nick Dranias and Humberto Macias. Let me introduce you briefly. Nick Dranias serves as the general counsel at Honduras Prospera and teaches business ethics and law at Grand Canyon University. He is also a policy advisor and research fellow with the Herdland Institute and a consultant with other U.S. intents. Nick has a J.D. from Loyola University Chicago School of Law and graduated cum laude from Boston University with a B.A. in economics and philosophy. Nick has written and published over 100 articles in law and public policy. He has also appeared as an expert in constitutional law and policy on Fox News, MSN, NBC, and, PR and more. And in turn, Humberto Macias serves as a deputy general counsel of Honduras Prospera, Inc., and the chief executive officer at the Prospera Arbitration Center, LLC. Prior to Prospera, he held positions as a transactional t- attorney at prestigious law firms including Clifford Chance in Singapore and Scadden Arts, Slate, Meagher, and Flum, LLP in Los Angeles, California. His proven activities at these firms included representing Nobel laureate Paul Romer's Charter Cities and a young Honduran. And boy, in his asylum case in the United States. Both experiences eventually led him to Prospera and Honduras. Humberto has a JD from Harvard Law University School, a BA in Economics, and a Master's Degree in Sociology from Stanford University. Humberto speaks Spanish and is originally from Los Angeles, California. Nick and Humberto, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you very much for this opportunity.
0: The idea of this podcast episode is to discuss a as, as I told you, a little bit of what is happening right now in Honduras after the Congress repealed the law that created the ZS. And there has been some uncertainty of what is going to happen with these projects that are already working and operating in the country. So I would like first to ask you, how is Prospera actually promoting economic development? Because this has been the discussion that sedes are undermining the sovereignty of the country and things like that. But we can also see that there are some economic indicators that these projects that sedes are actually promoting development in the country. So what can you tell me about that in the case of Prospera?
2: Well, I can tell you, first of all, that Prospera continues to exist. It has a right to exist protected by international and constitutional law in Honduras. Uh, For 50 more years. Uh, The law cannot be constitutionally applied in Honduras with retroactive effect. Uh, It can't be applied to deny Prospera's ability to operate uh, because there are guarantees to its investors uh, that it will be operating for 50 years. And that's backed both by treaty and by formal legal stability agreements. So it's business as usual at Prospera right now. As of today, the Official organs of the Honduran government have actually not said to us in any official capacity that Prospera isn't at all affected. Uh, There has been uh, some claims made by lower level politicians and uh, public officials that somehow uh, existing cities went poof a few weeks ago, a month ago. It's just not true. Uh, In fact, we have paid for next year's customs services without objection. We've reached out to every agency in Honduras explaining our position, which is clearly established by the law, and none of them have contradicted it so far. So, our position is it's business as usual. But, you know, as a practical matter, what matters is the fact that investors around the world have been willing to back substantial investment in Prospera. I think we are now at close to raising over $80 million for investment in Honduras. In just the past, Eight months, we've raised over sixty million dollars for investment in Honduras, and these are for great job-creating opportunities. Not just, you know, innovative industries like a robotics factory, which is being put together by Zaha Hadid, uh, one of the most uh, innovative architecture firms in the world. Uh, the first robotics factory on the island of Roatán, I might add. But also, you know, workaday developments like building fifteen-story tower mixed-use apartments and office buildings in Roatan, which will provide needed affordable housing, as well as plenty of space for people to operate under the Prospera platform. Now, the Prospera platform, what makes it so great and why it's attracting tens of millions of dollars in investment to Honduras by private investors is the fact that we have looked around the world with experts like Humberto and others, and we have adopted best practices, and we have pushed the boundaries to the maximum innovation that can make sense, in reality. We're not here to create some pie in the sky experiment. We're here to develop an area with the best ideas that have proven themselves around the world. And that's exactly what we're up to. So the bottom line is, is we have hundreds of jobs being created. We've got dozens of new innovative businesses being created. The latest one uh, is a a new business coming in from, from Taiwan that is going to have point of sale use of crypto available. We we hope very soon on the island of Roatan and in Prospera, uh, in the purchase of goods and in many other similar businesses, drone delivery services and more. Uh, this is only possible because we have a presumption that entrepreneurs shall be free to do what they have to do with their property and their money as long as they don't hurt anyone else, and uh, and also because we have a rule of law environment that provides stability predictability, and safety for people who do, do business in Honduras, which is a phenomenal achievement in and of itself.
1: And if I could add a little bit more to that, the the points that that Nick was mentioning, they have a lot to do with uh, improving the ability of, of investors or entrepreneurs to do business in the jurisdiction. Another thing that we do specifically through the Prosper platform is that we, we're connecting Honduras to the rest of the world. And there's very concrete things that, that the platform has incorporated and that the jurisdiction has incorporated to be, to be able to do this. And they include things like, for example, being a bilingual jurisdiction. You know, So we have English and Spanish used within the jurisdiction. You also have the dollar that's being used within the jurisdiction. So it just makes it easier for people to come here and understand what's going on and to invest. We have a legal framework that's based on the common law. So if you look at a lot of the top international financial centers, they use the, the, the same type of legal framework. So you're th- you're thinking about London, New York, uh Dubai, Singapore, Hong Kong. So we make it so that it's compatible. And so it's something that, that's very easy for the for these investors, the talent and the resources to transfer to Honduras. Uh, and also, we have a world-class e-governance platform that was developed by the e Estonia team. So those, those are some things that we do to, to make it easier to, to connect this country of Honduras with the rest of the world?
2: You know, if I may just address uh, the supposed criticisms of uh, of the Zedes and of Prospera, I think it's important to put it in perspective. Uh, the Gallup uh, polling company recently commissioned a, a Gallup poll with a less than 3% margin of error, uh, over 1,000 Hondurans polled, that discovered that in the, ele- the last election, only 3% of the voters who supported the current administration actually opposed Zedes. Now 3% really means around 2% of the overall voting population and if you think about the margin of error that could be anywhere from 0 to 5% of the voting uh, population in Honduras. So th- the reality is is that there was an, a very effective narrative during a political campaign by a tiny fringe ideologically possessed minority that gave itself the appearance of being much bigger than it really was when in reality it was a tiny, insubstantial fraction of the Honduran people. And it makes sense because the Honduran people live under tremendous conditions of poverty and corruption and injustice. The last thing that a common sense Honduran wants is to reject tens of millions of dollars in new (laughs) investment, to reject an easy way to do business, to reject making well, in, in Prosper's case, seven times the average wage in Honduras, right? So the fact of the matter is the supposed uh, narrative of, an, of how Zedes are so bad, is actually a concoction, an illusion of very skilled political actors who represent a tiny fraction, a tiny fraction of 1% maybe of the Honduran electorate that has manipulated the media for the past two years. In reality, Hondurans want what Prospera has to offer. Hondurans want the jobs, they want the investment. And I think that this administration is going to see through the uh, the tiny minority that opposes that is, as they watch investment being deployed in Prospera successfully. And then let, let me just last lastly at one point, you know, a lot of the opposition by this tiny fringe majority, minority, this 1% or less, is based on these sovereignty arguments that somehow it's inherently against sovereignty for Honduras to have a location where the best policy ideas in the world are deployed for the Honduran people. But number one, that's fundamentally a flawed understanding of sovereignty. The purpose of sovereignty is to enable people to have dignity and to flourish within their home countries. And there couldn't be a better use of sovereignty than to bring to Honduras the best ideas, the best policies and tens of millions of dollars of investment from around the world. It's about time that Hondurans had that option in their backyard so they don't have to go anywhere else. We need to stop the brain drain from Honduras. We need to make sure that the talent that exists in Honduras, which has been incredible that I've encountered and that Humberto's encountered stays in Honduras with the opportunities they deserve. And that's what Prosper enables. And then the other thing to emphasize is that Prosper is not doing anything, anything new. The United States is a collection of 50 states, each of whom have their own court systems, their own tax systems, their own laws. They all exist autonomously and they compete with each other. And as a result, you have a better country for it. You don't have a loss of sovereignty when California and Texas are vying for Tesla's factory. No, you've got better policies. They do more to help that investment happen. And that's exactly the dynamic that Prospera allows to occur inside of Honduras, where you now have a true competitive governing body that can show what best practices look like, prove that they work, deliver outcomes that are measurable in the near term, and hopefully have spillover effects of encouraging all the other municipalities and maybe even the national government to adopt some of the same
0: reforms. Uh, yes and I believe that what what you said at the at the at the end it's very important to under to not only understand but to communicate what is exactly the purpose of status and what they can achieve and regarding your explanation about the uh, importance of status to honduras uh we were talking this before with, with umberto and what i was telling is that at the end of the day we see that Hondurans are leading the country because of the lack of economic opportunities and everything and what really honduras needs in this moment after the economic lockdowns of the covid19 pandemic and everything is more jobs more investment and everything so in that sense i would like also to know um how is Prospera engaging with the community, with Locals, and to create these opportunities? And, and, and also, I believe that Locals are, are also supporters of what Prospera is creating. So how, what has been their reaction to these um, policies? As you say, they do not affect Prospera per se, but the, these are creating public opinion and impact, right?
1: Well, Paz, I'll, I'll start with this question. So, in terms of how we've been engaging with the local community from the beginning, before we started the project, when we when we arrived to the island, we were engaging with business and political leaders and different groups, and especially with the, with the community next to ours named uh, Crawfish Rock. And one of the reasons is because if we're going to demonstrate that this platform is intended to create prosperity, you know, the, our neighbors seem like the, the you know they would be the ones. Best position to to benefit from it, uh, you know. So what we started doing is uh, we started developing and you know bringing in local business people, you know, small and medium sized businesses and different entrepreneurs who have been helping us to create the jurisdiction and the infrastructure. And uh, right now, if I'm not mistaken, we have about a hundred businesses operating within the jurisdiction. That that includes businesses specifically within the, that are registered within Prospera, and then there are also businesses in the rest of Roatan. And the rest of the country that uh, that provide and they, they they provide services and goods to the businesses there and the residents there. So there's been quite a lot of uh, a lot of economic development that's that's been starting to flourish. You know, as we've been de- developing the the jurisdiction. And I think in terms of you know the reaction to the repeal, you know, I, I think this really depends a lot on uh, the specifics of the, of the individual. You know, because everybody has different interests and different worldviews, you know, so depending on their their specific interests and worldviews, you know, that's impacted how they view the repeal. Uh, when you're talking about people that are familiar with Prospera and they, they recognize the potential that we can we have for the island and for the country, I think for them, it's very hard to understand why this would be repealed because they, they see that we have started generating a lot of jobs and that we have a lot of potential. You know, so I think for them, it's a little bit hard to understand why there's been some negativity at the at the national level, specifically with, uh, you know, during the, the electoral process. Uh, I think for those that are hopeful for opportunities for themselves and for their children, you know, when they think about the long-term potential that this creates, I think they're concerned because it puts these opportunities at risk, you know. Uh, and then mainly, I think for people who want something better from Roatan and want something better for Honduras, I think there's been a lot of disappointment. You know, because we, we do have grand plans and we have, uh, you know, we have plans and intentions of of investing by 2025, 500 million and creating 10,000 jobs. I think initially we were creating the base for it and the institutions and the infrastructure that was going to be required. We're basically at this, where we're at the a point in the trajectory where it's starting to increase. And, uh, you know, we we see it. I think people that work with us see it, people that know us see it, you know, and I think there's, there's disappointment because that could potentially, you know, put all of that potential at risk for the country.
2: Well, let, let, me, let me emphasize a couple of things that might be a little bit more positive. And, and from, the, uh, from the general counsel's perspective, more than half of the $60 million we raised in the last eight months came in after the election of the current administration. In fact, the biggest chunk of that half, 20 or so million dollars, came into uh, Prospera in, in February. And this was after the initial salvo of attacks on the Zeta regime. And and these were very sophisticated. They are very sophisticated investors, people who are behind uh, a lot of major investments at a much higher level than even what they're investing in in Prospera. And and what they saw were two things. Number one, the strength of the legal protections that Prospera has, the 50 year guarantee that's backed by legal stability agreement and treaty, and also Hondurans in their tradition, a very strong tradition, a very unique tradition of protecting what are called acquired rights. That once you have investments made in reliance upon an existing legal framework, you have the right to maintain that. And that's a constitutional concept in Honduras, a very robust property right in a sense that, that Honduras has. And so they saw, these sophisticated investors saw these two components, the 50-year guarantee, the tradition of acquired rights, and these sophisticated investors have concluded that it's far more likely the case that one way or, the, or another, the current administration is going to realize the value of ZDAs, that, that the repeal will be applied lawfully, that the repeal will be only applied on a forward-going basis, that it will not be applied retroactively, which is in violation of Article 18, or Article 18 and Article 96, Article 18 treaties, Article 96 retroactivity is in violation of both of those articles for the government to apply that even before you consider acquired rights, even before you consider the legal stability agreement. So very sophisticated investors actually saw it as an opportunity more than a, uh, than a loss in the sense that now that they've repealed the, the regime on a foregoing basis, that made Prospera stronger in its position as the first mover, the first ZEDE in, in Honduras. So I, I, I think that that is an outcome that will be borne out as accurate, uh, more likely than not. And, and it's because the truth is on the side of Prospera. Prospera has the strongest property rights protections in the world in the world. And I say that as a 25-year attorney who for five years focused on eminent domain, basically anti-expropriation reform in the United States that helped advance what the Kelo case, the famous US Supreme Court case uh, that, that didn't provide adequate protections against property rights violations. I helped advance reform efforts in dozens of states to protect property rights. And I can say from that experience that Prosper has the strongest property rights protections in the whole world, not just in Honduras. There is no one who is safer in their property than if they are inside of Prospera, and also even if they're just neighboring Prospera. Because the other thing is, unlike any other municipality in Honduras, Prospera has promised never to use expropriation outside of its boundaries. That's not true of any other municipality in Honduras. So Prospera is clearly the place where if you have property, if you want to make investments, you're going to want to go. And as a result of that, it's inevitable that it will succeed because the Honduran people have tremendous talent. They, there, there's no lacking in, in the quality of the human being that exists in Honduras. It, one of our strongest new industries is employee leasing and not employee leasing for the call center. Higher level, higher skilled employees, young people coming out of college in Honduras, and there's lots of colleges, but they have nowhere to go, but they're highly skilled. They're ready to work. And we are discovering through having Prospera and making it easy for other countries or other companies from around the world to hire that young people who come out of college skilled can find a job right at home and on a great, <laughs> in Roatan of all places. I mean, it's heaven on earth.
1: You know what, If I could add to that a little bit, boss. you know, so I, I mentioned to you people specifically that were working with our project. You know, if you look at some of the other sectors of the economy, there have been recent decrees. That have targeted other industries, like for example, you know, uh, uh, there is one targeting any company that that employs employees by by the hour, the you know the hourly employment law. You know, there is which which particularly impacts BPOs and, and those types of businesses, uh, and also like for example, they recently passed an energy reform that that opens the way for expropriation of uh, of those plants. You know, and as you talk to people here, I think a lot of endurance realize that uh, that enduring investors themselves are in danger, you know, and I've started to hear people ask about potentially going into the Zeta regime to protect their investments because they're not adequately protected outside of the Zetas.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Umberto. I was, I was thinking on that, the, the sense that what are the challenges right now during the Castro's regime? And, and I was also thinking what you, what you said right now, um, said it the the, the prosperous that is already established might become a kind of shelter for more and more uh, Hondurans and businesses in in the sense of what is going to happen because with these uh, by repealing the law what what we uh, as the international community are looking is that the the adoption of foreign investment and everything in this in this new government is going to is going to be uh, the approach is not going to be. Good. And yes, uh, thank you for, for that argument. However, I would also like to ask you, what other challenges do you envision as Prospera that you could face during these four years term? Um, because at the end of the day, this administration is just starting and it has started with this law. What could happen and until what scope the international laws on the investment security contracts can ensure that Prospera has a stability?
2: So a couple of points on that. First of all, we're hopeful that the administration is in the process of learning on the job in the sense that you know, they're delivering campaign promises that they made early, but that they're gonna mature and grow through through the years. And, and one of the things that we've done very carefully at Prospera is try to develop a policy set that can be appealing to people across the political spectrum, uh, that, that, that anyone of good faith and good intention can say, hey, yeah, that that's either great or it's good or it's not so bad. And I think that the, the key challenge that we therefore face with the current administration is to demonstrate how we are achieving in Prospera the values that they have. And some of those values that in- include things like environmental protection. We're on a very sensitive island. We recognize that the beautiful coral reef exists outside of our jurisdiction right out there in the ocean. We want to demonstrate that we can better protect that environmental treasure than any place else in in Honduras. And, And we're going to do it this way. Most environmental regulation outside of Prospera is actually a disguised permit to pollute. You jump a few hurdles, you get a paper from the government, and that paper lets you pollute. It doesn't stop you from polluting. It lets you pollute. Prospera doesn't operate that way. Prospera has a baseline law that you cannot damage the coral reef. You cannot do anything that is likely or provably going to damage the coral reef. And if you try to do that, you will have to pay two times the cost of remediating any damage you cause. You will be stopped and stopped not just by Prospera, but every resident inside of Prospera has the right to bring a case in the arbitration center to stop you as well. And so we take the position with regard to environmental damage. And we say that the best way to protect the environment is actually to stop the nuisance, to not allow the pollution to happen, and then to prevent corruption and influence to distribute to the people, the residents, the authority to enforce that. Now we believe we're gonna be able to prove that this is a superior way of handling environmental values, We don't have to create a giant bureaucracy that tells everyone exactly what they have to do every single day whenever they build something or do something, because instead we've empowered the people to be on the lookout and to take action to stop pollution when it happens. And we've made it very clear that there are no permits to pollute and prosper. If you pollute and we find you and there's lots of people looking, you're going to be stopped. And so these will create incentives that we believe will show that the, the administration's concern about the environment is actually ha- handled better in Prosper than anywhere else and without a giant bureaucracy. So that, so this is an example of the challenge that we face and the opportunity that, that we think we can, we can deploy. And there's many other ways that, uh, that we can do that.
0: Okay, thank you, Nick. Yes, and well, just to start closing the podcast, I would like to ask you how um, more beyond Prospera, how do you perceive that this uh, policy, as you say, maybe the, maybe the government is maturing in the, in the process, um, but how do you feel this would affect in further foreign investment and entrepreneurship in the country?
2: Well, it could be better, <laughs> that's for sure. But the fact that so far, you know, again, we're doing this day by day. You don't know what's going to happen the next day. And that's part of the problem. But so far, the administration hasn't rolled in the tanks. They haven't shut us down. And they haven't been as aggressive even with us as they were with the energy industry or they were with the, 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 uh, the community teachers. And so there is reason to believe. That at some level in the current administration, there's a recognition of the rule of law, at least as applied to Prospera, cross your fingers. And because of that, there's reason to believe, even outside of Prospera, that things aren't going to be as dire as they could be. Or even if they are outside of Prospera, there's going to be an escape that Hondurans can have, businesses can have, workers can have to Prospera, to prosper, regardless of what happens outside of Prospera. So the nice thing about Prospera is people don't have to run to Canada or the United States or Mexico to escape maybe some bad policies that exist in the country. They they have the opportunity at home. Prosper is over, is about a thousand plus acres right now. It's on the mainland and it's on the island. And there's going to be businesses growing here that will give people opportunities. And at the same time, hopefully, again, I come back to what we hope will be shared values with, with the administration. as as people perhaps migrate into Prospera to do things that they can't do as easily outside of Prospera, and all these good things happen, more jobs, better pay, more clean air, more clean water, if all of that starts happening in front of the the administration's eyes, and they really mean that they value these things, then maybe it will moderate the, the administration, and maybe it will even improve the policies they adopt. Once we get past the political season,
0: Thank you. I don't know, Umberto, if you want to include something else to, to this or, or maybe to the, to also to the idea of how the businesses that are right now involved in Prospera um, have uh, not, not only reacted, but have they uh, gone into the Prospera uh, team to ask you what is going to happen, how you have communicated next, next steps uh, in order to have this uh, certainty, right, in all the process.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing that we've tried to do uh, as the legal team for Prospera is we've tried to be very clear about the types of protections that Prospera has. You know, because I, I think if you if you just listen to what's happening uh, politically, and if you listen and if you read the newspapers and you hear strong statements from people who either are not necessarily educated about the Zeta regime or you know they're uh, you know they have different types of uh, ideologies. You know, I, I think you hear a lot of negativity. And, uh, and comments that aren't necessarily uh, workable. You know? But I think when you actually have a conversation and you start explaining that in Honduras, there has always been this type of political polarization and that, that's exactly why the Zaydes were created. You know? And the way that they were created was done in such a way that every single protection that you could have was inserted. So if you start from the beginning, they were made a constitutional amendment, right? Then they also use an organic law, which is higher than other laws. You know, there's the possibility of legal stability agreements, which Prosper has and which uh, extend for 50 years. You know, there's regular transition periods. There's international uh, treaties, you know, uh, like the the U.S., uh, the Honduran U.S. uh, Bilateral Investment Treaty, CAFTA-DR. You know, so there's a lot of different protections that were created specifically to withstand what people know can be a volatile context. So I I think when, uh, when, when this is a bit of a stress test, Right, because I, I think uh, you know when this was created, this was something that people expected would happen at some time, and so you know this was created to withstand that. And so I think as we, you know, as we're able to, sh- to demonstrate that this can withstand any any sort of political pressure or you know these uh, vi- these vicissitudes, I think that'll you know there'll be a lot of value in that, and I think it'll make it easier to then generate the jobs and opportunities that this was created for. When you look at when you talk to the people that created the law, what they wanted to do was accelerate the socioeconomic development of Honduras by taking the best practices in the world. That's what we're doing. We just started, you know, not that long ago, you know. So I think the the, the fruits of that are starting to bear out, and you know, within the next four years, within this administration, I do expect that these will be very uh, very visible, and so people will know that that the purpose of those days have been fulfilled in their creation of opportunities and uh, you know, jobs and other opportunities for endurance.
2: Yeah, let me add on that. Obviously, people are worried. The Honduran businessmen that come in and are working with us, they're saying, what is, what's what's going to happen? And, and you know, we do have some investors have asked us, you know, what does this mean? We have a whole community online at Discord, uh, which we should probably get you an invite to if you're not on it. Uh, but we've had lots of questions from folks who are just interested in Prosper. But what I keep coming back to is, You know, not only the strength of these legal stability agreements, but the dedication of our investors. See, our investors understand what we're trying to do here. We are going into areas where it's not easy to have a rule of law environment. We're going into places that are known to be unstable. We're going into places that some people would regard as, you know, just, you know, I don't regard it, but some people would regard as hopeless. So our investors are aware of this. They know that we're going into a place that is very challenging. And yet they've given us tens of millions of dollars because in the end, the human spirit can overcome these things and they know it, and they just need to get the right team in place. And at Prosper, one of the things that we have, as you can see, just listening to Humberto and his bio that beats the pants off of mine, is a team of the most talented people in the world who have ever been interested in this topic. And our investors are investing in that as much as anything. The in in the the challenges that are coming from the current administration are nothing that we haven't thought through, gamed out, anticipated, and it's part of the product. Our ability to handle it, to persuade, and if we have to, to fight and to fight hard, uh, is, is part of the pack. And so, you know, while I'm hopeful that the current administration is moving past its political phase and into its, you know, administrative phase, and while I'm hopeful that we can find shared values and we can prove that what we're doing at Prospera can deliver what the administration claims it wants better than anywhere else in Honduras. I'm also saying that we've got investors that are going to defend their investment. And we have the world's best attorneys that are looking at this very carefully and ready to take action. And if we have to take action, we are going to win. And we are going to have a multi billion dollar case if necessary. But our goal is not to try to sue for billions of dollars, our goal is simply to preserve the brilliant idea that Honduras had in allowing for Zedias to be created. And as long as that idea is allowed to exist as it should under the law, then we're going to continue to bring in investment and we're going to continue to create jobs. But part of that process of creating a better governance system inside of a difficult place is you got to have a carrot and you got to have a stick. And we've got both. And we've got the talent to use both wisely. And, uh, and I'm very confident that we're going to ultimately reach a resolution that makes sense for everyone.
0: Thanks so much, Umberto and Nick. Uh, yeah, what you say is exactly. Uh, let's hope that at the end of the day, uh, the government and all the resolutions get into the sense of what is better for the Honduran people too, right? Yeah. Before ending the the this uh, conversation, I would like to invite or our listeners to subscribe to the podcast and also to check out our show notes because there we will we will leave the Prosperous website if you want to learn more we also have a previous interview that we did to the team in order to tell about more this this project when prospera was just the starting and also a latest coverage on what uh, were the the resolution of the congress so again thanks Umberto. thanks nick thanks for being here and uh, well let's uh, hope to to talk again soon
1: Great thank you boss my pleasure